Good morning, hockey fans. It is Tuesday. This is Morning Cup of Hockey alongside Kobe Cohen. I'm Johnny Lazarus, like we do every Tuesday. We're going to have NHL insider Frank Sarabelli come join the show. So don't be afraid. Get active in the chat. Ask your questions. We're going to ask Frank our own questions. We're going to ask Frank your questions. We're going to talk about all the coaches on the hot seat. We're going to talk about the teams that should buy, the teams that should sell at the upcoming trade deadline. We'll also talk about the games going on in the NHL tonight and perhaps a barn burner last night in Newark, New Jersey between the Devils and the Golden Knights. So there's a lot to get into today. But before we do any of that, I'm going to send it over to Kobe Cohen. Kobe, how's your morning going? You look tired as shit. I was literally just going to say to you, you sound like shit this morning. What's going on with you? What, like something, what do you have? No hot water, no heat. Like, were you yeah. up late last night? That's, I mean, what? That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what's, what's going, on. going on with you this morning, pal. It's been six days of no hot water, no heat in my Brooklyn apartment, but it's being installed right now. And I just got told that we won't have water or heat or hot or cold water all day. So, um, you know, just a little adversity, but it never hurts anybody and uh, makes you stronger, you know? But I challenge why, I love university. But why is it affecting the sound of your voice? You smell like you you sound like you smoked a pack of Marlboro Lights last night. No, I was in the press box of the Devils game, just cheering for the Devils the whole game. So uh, you're not supposed oh, to cheer. I thought in the press maybe box, you were out. I was pumped up. I thought maybe you were out chasing some squirrels around. Good one. You're really bad at shit talk. Like you got to work on it. If you're gonna be mean to me, you at least be good at that it. That wasn't <laughs> shit talk. I was. Thinking you were out in New York living your life. I I, I don't think that was shit talk. You're just, you're just digging it deeper. You're digging it deeper. You're making it worse. Let's move on. All right, Kobe, what do you got hockey wise for us? We have we have Frank going on here shortly. What are you what are you interested in asking Frank Sarabelli on this fine Tuesday? Well, before we talk about Frank, why don't we take a moment to recognize the greatness that's happening right now in Boston? Uh, I mean, a, a marquee win for the Boston Bruins last night. Um, I don't think they were real happy with the way that they played against the Winnipeg Jets about, I don't know, four weeks ago, three, four weeks ago. It was right around the the break and um, the holiday, excuse me. And and they really got shit kicked in Winnipeg. And uh, they played like it last night because they had an absolutely dominating performance against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I think they won. It was four to one or five to one. I think it was four, four to one. one. Four to one. Um, but you know, they, they were just so thorough with the puck all game. They really just didn't give anything up. Jeremy Swayman continues to play really well. I mean, he's played seven of the last eight games for the Boston Bruins. Um, and they're six, one and three in their last 10. So uh, this is a team that is trending the right way. Um, where a lot of teams, I think in the NHL that have had a lot of success this year are currently trending the wrong way. Uh, and I just don't think we're talking about the Bruins enough. And and I don't know if it's because of the, the regular season that they had last year where they got into the playoffs and we know what happened against Florida. Um, but Jim Montgomery and the Boston Bruins are absolutely rolling right now. Yeah. Since Christmas, they have the most points in the NHL, 23 points with a 10, one and three record. I know Edmonton you'd think would be up there, which they are. They just played three less games. So that's why there aren't as many points with the Edmonton Oilers, but Boston since Christmas, they can't stop scoring. They're averaging 4.43 goals per game and their power plays at a 31.8%. I mean, they're firing on all cylinders in the first line of Pasternak, Charlie Coyle and Brad Marchand has been dominant as well. Charlie Coyle has been the Bruins first line center. They've been rotating Coyle, Pavel Zaka, like it's been crazy what's been going on with the Boston Bruins lineup. And maybe that's why they're not as talked about as much. Like 
They don't really have the sexiest, you know, star studded lineup this year. And they've been missing a lot of guys with injury as well. Well, I mean, they do have David Pasternak. They do yeah. have uh, a guy I'm by the name of Charlie McAvoy. They you know? do have Jeremy Swayman in net. I mean, they've, they've got star players here. I mean, let's not, uh, let's not discount the stars that they have. Here's a question I have for you now that you, you brought up pasta. If you have to pick between Matthews and pasta, who, who are you taking there? That's a really tough question. Okay, but um, it's not a tough question for me. It's easily yeah. David Posternak. David Posternak is as good a scorer as Austin Matthews, but he competes harder and he plays in all three zones. He's more physical. Um, he he's to me a much more complete player than Austin Matthews is. And you know, the only reason I think of that is because they're the two most pure scorers in the NHL right now. And I know our producer is probably throwing up right now hearing <laughs> us talk about this because I'm sure he's uh, snuggling with his Austin Matthews pillow right now back in Toronto. But, um, I mean, I think David Pasternak is, is an underappreciated star in the NHL because of all the things that he does. It's not just the goals. It's it's everything about him on. I wouldn't say he's underappreciated. I wouldn't say Pasternak's underappreciated. Yeah. Well, how did you even have to think about it then? When I asked you between you asked me a question, I took two seconds to think, and you and you didn't want to ask me. You just wanted to go into it yourself. No, I wanted to hear what you thought because I figured (laughs) you you always do. You sit on the fence. You wouldn't have an opinion about it. You'd waver back and forth, and then you'd you'd have some sort of soft response where you don't take a stance. That's pretty much your middle name. You literally gave me half a second to think and then went into it. What the hell? All right. Well, who is it? You had four minutes. I was going to agree. I think David Pasternak also. All right. So then we put it to bed. All right. Maybe (laughs) we'll ask Frank when we bring him into the show. I'd be curious to hear what he thinks about that. So give me half a second. um, You listen, you got to get, get an answer and get going here. I'm not going to sit around and wait for you to call the Islanders fan base, a bunch of scumbags again. All right. We're just not going to do that today. So at the end of the day, look, I think the Boston Bruins are, are again, trending in the right direction. Um, I do, you know, spent a lot of time around that organization. Don Sweeney was heavily involved when I was there. Um, so, you know, I, I'd love to bring Frank in right now and, and kind of start with the Boston Bruins because um, I, I kind of want to hear from him if, if he's hearing anything about what's going on in Boston. So good morning, Frank. Good to see you this morning. I know you had some uh, travel back from Western Canada as you dominated the pond hockey tournament with, uh, <laughs> with the daily face-off squad. Dominated by um, weight, I guess. <laughs> I, I mean, Listen, I don't know what other the, category I would have dominated in. I love the fact that you had the Penn State helmet on out there on the ice. I see the blue strip going down the middle. It's very recognizable. I think that's a, that's an iconic stripe. So I was happy to see you uh, giving Penn State a little bit of love this weekend. Yeah, that's uh, that's a thefted helmet. So uh, did not earn the stripe as I was. Told. Okay. Well, look, we we started this morning uh, in true fashion you know, talking about the Boston Bruins. I asked Johnny who he'd rather have on his team, David Pasternak or Matthew Austin Matthews. Um, I'm sure you heard a little bit of the banter of that back and forth. There was so, no back and forth. You just dominated the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I am a bully, Colby. I am curious, Frank, because, you know, the Boston Bruins are usually a team that 
they keep things pretty tight lipped. You know, they're, they're not a huge leaking group there in Boston. I think Don Sweeney keeps a small inner circle, but you know, you look at their lineup, you look at the success that they're having right now, they're trending in the right direction. I'm just curious, you know, on your trade targets board, is there somebody to you that kind of sticks out or an area of need that you think the Boston Bruins could potentially be looking to fill? Yeah, look, it's still the center position as well as they've played this year as solid as the production has been, you know, another heater that this team is on. Anytime you think that they're kind of coming back to earth, here they go winning five games in a row again and creating some significant separation between themselves and everyone else in the Atlantic division. And frankly, the Eastern conference. So um, to me, I, I know that they've gotten, you could say have gotten away with it to this point, but when you look at Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka as your two top centers, like to me, that's not a team that's destined to go on a deep Stanley cup run with those two guys. If you could get one more, it doesn't even have to be elite, but if you could get one more solid player at the center position, then I think this team would be that much better situated. It just takes the heat and pressure off of those guys. So that's where I've been looking the whole year. What becomes really difficult when it comes to the Bruins is what assets do you have to make it work? Because they went in so heavy last year, adding the pieces that they did that just it didn't get them over the top. And now they don't have a pick this year until round four. They don't have a second next year. They've got 25 and 26 first round picks, but how deep into the future are you going to go? And and frankly, after the way the playoffs went last year, I think it's also fair to ask the question, do they, is, do they have some, some shell shock from that and are thinking, Hey, maybe we just sit tight. I don't know if they sit tight. I mean, I, I would go for it because this group, you, you look at guys like David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, how many years does Marchand have left? Like he won't be, you know, with the Boston Bruins organization for that much longer or in the NHL for that much longer. I'd say he probably has what, like four years left, you know, at most maybe in his career. I mean, that's, but buddy, that's an eternity in, in sports. But in a championship window, is that an eternity? No. Like this Boston Bruins team has been knocking on the door for the last, what, eight years now? Or, or it's been... 13 years since they won the cup, they could have three or four cups already with the guys that that have been in that locker room um, that haven't been able to get it done. Like the fact that Pasternak hasn't won a Stanley cup and he's been in the league dominating for as long as he's been, even though, you know, Kobe, you just said he's underappreciated. I would actually argue there's a, another player on the Boston Bruins who might be more underappreciated league wide. And that's Charlie McAvoy. And, and this might be, you know, a hot take, but if I'm going into a playoff series, I think outside of Kale McCarr, the next defenseman I would want on my team in the playoffs is Charlie McAvoy. Like, yeah, you could talk about Quinn totally Hughes agree. and Adam Fox and Noah Dobson and, and Miro Haskin and all these defensemen in the regular season, but there is no defenseman. Quinn Hughes. Sorry, there's Quinn a Quinn Hughes. Did I not say here? Quinn? Oh, my God. I didn't say Quinn. I you love Quinn. You didn't say Quinn. Quinn. I'm like, uh, that's my bad. Like Quinn Hughes. McAvoy. I'm a, nah. I'm a big Quinn guy, but I think in a playoff series, the way Charlie McAvoy plays, that's, that's a, you know, Draymond Green said it, and I got to shout out my boy Fitz, who's a New York guy. There's 82 game players, and there's 16 game players, and Charlie McAvoy is a 16 game player. That is for why. Sure. So, what? Tell me, what is that? What does that even mean? It means there's guys that thrive in the regular season, and guys. I, that I, I understand the oh, okay. dynamic of 82 and 16. Well, you just said what does it what, mean? So I was explaining. What makes him a 16 game player? 
He battles his ass off. He's physical. He's not afraid to get in the mix. He, he's offensive. He can skate. He plays a complete game. He adds value offensively. He quarterbacks a power play. He's he's just honestly, he's nailed. Okay, but now you're just listing all the traits that we all know and love about Charlie McAvoy. Frank, look, but, I, so I don't wait, I, I want to give on. you my own. I want to give you my hot take. My hot Go take ahead. is that Hampus Lindholm was the Bruins' best defenseman last year. I think he was throughout the regular yeah. season. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And then look, they, they flaked out in the playoffs last year, but look to me, I think Charlie McAvoy <laughs> raises his level um, in, in big moments. I, I do. He, he came into the NHL in the playoffs. Wait, hold on a sec. Hold on. That. Stop. Stop. Is this Colby agreeing with Johnny that, that Charlie is. McAvoy is a playoff player? We, we might I, need a clip of just Colby's reaction, his face. When I said McAvoy, I do. <laughs> I look, just remember how he entered the NHL. He came yeah. in into the playoffs. He was Nailed indoctrinated him. into the NHL in the playoffs. So uh, I think there's something to be said for that. I think Chris Kreider did the same thing a lot of years ago. And I think Chris Kreider's usually uh, turns up his game in the playoffs, you know, pretty well. So look, I, I think we could probably sit here and kick that around all day. One of the names I was going to ask you about, Frank, was maybe Kevin Hayes. I see him on your trade targets board and he is a center. He is familiar with the city of Boston. A um, lot of connection there. I don't think he gets you a King's ransom of a return. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's the type of guy. Cause based on what you're telling us about the assets in Boston, I don't see how the Elias Lindholm thing ever actually happens because you're going to need a lot of assets to bring back Elias Lindholm. Yeah. And, and frankly, I don't know that the Calgary flames are going to want to be dealing in 2025 and 2026 first round picks. Like that's a team that by 2026, when their new arena opens, they're they want to be good again. And that's sort of their target plan of how we can reshape this team in the in the here and now. So I, I think they'd probably have to be looking at a lesser price point. And I know well, this would kind of be like cats playing with dogs, but what about Montreal trading with Boston? And what about Sean Monahan? That's what I was gonna say. Sean Monahan. But Sean Onahan, I feel like as well, or no, you can go. I was just going to say, Frank, I mean, I, I read that article you had up on the Daily Faceoff yesterday where you went deep uh, into Sean Monahan. And the issue that I see with that is, is the return. I think it's the, we're talking about the same thing. I think Monahan's even more valuable because of how low his cap number is and the fact that Montreal is probably willing to eat it. And all the comparables that you put in that article I, you know, Coleman, Goudreau, Stasny, they all got first round returns. And yeah, again. one, you're looking at one late first round pick. And I don't know that it needs to be this year. Maybe 2025 is fine. They have an extra first rounder in 2025 already from taking on Sean Monahan from Calgary. Could you imagine if they end up with two 2025 first rounders? By the way, the social media reaction to that tweet is priceless. If you have 30 seconds today, Scroll through the replies on the tweet that I sent out. It is chef's kiss. Next Which about tweet Calgary? are we talking? Yeah, the Calgary. About, I said that Sean Monaghan, when looking through all the comps and everything, at the end of the day, the, the Canadians should be getting back two first rounders. They already got one. That was lost on people. Calgary gave them one to take on Monaghan in 2022. Now they should get another one to move him. 55 points plays that's what he's on track for plays power play bumper spot net front penalty kill 
top five in the league in in left-handed uh, face-off guys. Like, how much more do you want if you can't get like I'm thinking there's somewhere in the range of 29, 30, 31 in terms of a first round pick, not an early one, not a mid one, but a late first rounder seems about right. And people did not, they're like, whatever you're sniffing, whatever you've got at home, can I please have some? <laughs> I mean, also, you know, Calgary never was never really was much of a huffer though. <laughs> Calgary is interesting to me also, because I, I feel like they were a team that was talked about as a team that should definitely sell come deadline time but they're kind of rolling as of late and they're not out of the playoff picture. And I think a lot of people talked about that trade this summer for uh, Igor Sharangovich and Tyler Toffoli. And, mm -hmm. you know, those two have been contributing a lot for their uh, respective teams. I was at the devil's game last night. Toffoli has the hat trick overtime winner. Um, oh, good. He and, finally caught up to Sharangovich. Yeah, that was a, a huge thing. Um, I think he has 20 goals now and Sharangovich has 19. So a lot of people were mm -hmm. saying the devil's won the trade. Finally. Um, but, I don't think that's how it works. Six no, years definitely. older and a pending UFA, not under team control. And you got a third rounder on top of it. Definitely not. But you look at both of those teams. I didn't mean to get off of Boston, but you, the Calgary uh, talk triggered my brain a little bit. Um, when you're looking at the Devils and the Flames right now, the Flames are still a team that, sure, they're you know around the playoff bubble, but they most likely won't be competing for a Stanley Cup. And I'm sure they know that. The Devils, on the other hand, the expectations were through the roof this year. Stanley Cup contender, you know, what is aside from a goalie? Because Lindy Ruff said it last night in the postgame presser. He literally said, I'm always begging for a save. I need more saves. Um, aside from a goalie, with the injuries the Devils have, they're missing their top two defensemen. They're missing their best forward. And they can make all the excuses in the world. But but what do they got to do here? Like, do they, they, they can't mail it in, right? Even though they've had all these injuries. Like, what are you doing right now if you're Fitz? So I'm looking at it and I'd say, you know what? Sometimes it's just not your year. And can the Devils get in? Can they sneak in and be one of the wild card teams? Yeah, I mean, mathematically, of course they could. But it's it's really what goes back to what Damon Severson said last week, which I thought was perfect. He said, when I, when I saw that they lost me and Ryan Graves, I knew that they were asking a lot from their young guys. And then it just, the, the problem was compounded. You take away two of your top six defensemen, you fill in with two incredible pieces that are going to be really good for a long time in Luke Hughes and Simone Nemitz. And you, you go, okay, this is exciting. We've got a great forward core. We have a team that has won playoff rounds. Let's go. But then Dougie Hamilton tears his pec muscle. And then you know, go through the list. Jonas Siegenthaler, he's out. Like you cannot lose four of your top six defensemen from last year and somehow think that you're going to compete. So, so what do they need aside from getting a save? They need better defense in front of their goalies. And that's been the huge reason why the devils have fallen back and are where they are in the standings on the bubble, because everything that could go wrong has, yeah. you made a, 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 I think a risky bet moving on from your defenseman. Some would say they had to because of the cap position that they were in, but you do that. You're going to take a step back and that's if Dougie Hamilton stays healthy and Jonas Siegenthaler. So now like I, I was, you know, I was thinking about Boston and, and their defense core. And I was also running through my head, some of the guys that are available. And we talked about the center position, you know, does does Jacob Chikorin make sense for either one of these teams, Boston as a left shot guy, or 
if you're talking New Jersey to, to maybe fill some of that void? Or are you comfortable saying, you know what? This year happened. If we get in, great. I'm not going to go wild with my future picks to see if maybe on a hope and a whim and a prayer we can force our way in because then what? Like, I just think they've got too much surgery to accomplish in one OR session. Yeah, I, and, I think Pickard makes more sense for Johnny, Jersey than Boston, for sure. Well, we'll Johnny, I think the other thing too is is that, you know, uh, a coach, I, I, like, I don't see a coach getting fired that's underachieving with this many players out of their lineup and goaltending issues. I agree. I, I don't. And, and that's, you know, obviously that's more of a question for Frank, like is Lindy Ruff on the hot seat? But, um, you know, you, you, you got to look at these different scenarios differently. They're not, it's not a one size fits all approach when you look at the health of a team and, you know, look, generally speaking, teams that stay healthier late in the year have better runs, have better success. Um, I know that's kind of an obvious statement to make, but it does seem Frank, like there it's, there's heavy defensive options right now. And, and, you know, Johnny brought up Calgary as a team that might or might not get in. I, I would just think that they're so, they're still feeling so, you know, uptight about losing Johnny Gaudreau to free agency when they didn't move on from him to, to sit tight with Hannafin and Tanev. Um, they're no, and there's Lindholm no way. They're, they're, they, they're making trade. They're doing exactly. They're ready to do it. They just haven't gotten the offers to do it. They're not so, sitting so, here wondering, oh, maybe can we be the eighth? Whoever's the eighth seed in the West, to quote the classic Daryl Sutter, it's a waste of eight days. <laughs> that team in the eighth, there's actually a real incentive for someone to finish the number one seed in the West because it's the only easy first round matchup there's going to be. You're going to have three really, really good teams in the West lose in the first round this year. Yeah. So uh, there is a defense that I'm curious about, though. Um, Can I answer about Lindy Ruff on the hot seat? Yeah. I think there's it. actually. Same thing going on in Toronto. I don't think either manager is really happy with what they're seeing from their team, but also knows exactly what you said. We're dealing with an incomplete picture here in terms of our roster. The Maple Leafs defense core is frankly worse off than the Devils is right now. And the reason for that is they don't have a Luke Hughes or a Simone Nemitz that's up there chewing up minutes already and playing good. They don't even have that in their pipeline. They're dealing with a number two, a number five, maybe another number four, and like three number sevens in their lineup on a nightly basis. That's what the Leafs have. So I don't think Brad Tree Living sitting there going, well, I'm thrilled with Sheldon Keefe. Probably not, and especially not after the comments that he made last week, which was basically the coach coming out and saying, hey, look, I know that I, people are saying I'm on the hot seat, I need people I can rely on. This isn't my fault. And yeah, but are, are those? Oh, really I think that turned up the temperature though? a little bit on him. He probably turned it up on himself when a coach comes out and says something like that. But I don't think those two are really comparable. I mean, you look at Sheldon Keith versus Lindy Ruff. Lindy Ruff, why? It's his, it's his fourth year with the Devils. He had franchise records last year with the Devils. Like this literally, is Sheldon Keith's fifth year. Yeah, and what does franchise records in the regular season do? What, what does that matter? It's just progression. It's it's positive. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Growth, I guess. Trajectory. Yes, thank you for saving me there. But Sheldon, well, Keith, the Devils have gone like this. 
because of injuries this year. But when Lindy Ruff took over, when Lindy Ruff took over, he, he's gotten them to be a better group since he took over. Sheldon Keefe, he, he's just what, disappointed. What, let me ask you, like, I'm not, I'm just playing but devil's advocate. He's been more built to win than the Devils. Well, well, wait a sec. Mm-hmm. Which team got further last year? They both got to the same exact spot. Okay. Well, when you look at where they're heading, like I, I would, I don't know that I would agree. I like, don't which either. Which more on the upswing? Toronto the, has way more potential to do Toronto, more right now than than the Devils. I think if both teams are fully healthy, oh, which well, team? Would, healthy, which one but, would you pick? Which core would you pick? Well, that's what I'm thinking right now. Now, now I'm trying to trying. To I think I'm. I, I think I'm taking the Devils. I like the Devils. Well, fully yeah. healthy. If fully yeah. healthy, yeah. yeah. But we're not living. But that's fantasy, Johnny. No, they're not fully healthy. They're far from it. We're talking about Lindy Ruff and Sheldon Keith being on the hot seat, but. That you ha- you have to take all the measures into account if it's a fully healthy team. Like you ju- you just said, you can't fire a coach because of injury issues. Yeah, but I I'm, I, just, I, 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 I think agree with that. And, and in there, what? but I, I here here's what I'm gonna say. I I, I where, where Frank is talking about the Heat getting turned up on Sheldon Keith basically because of what he said. Look, their roster is flawed in Toronto, but okay. Managing the puck and having players play harder in their own zone, that's mentality. That's coaching. That's why Patrick Waugh now coaches the New York Islanders, okay? Because, you know, they were underachieving defensively. They were underachieving managing the puck, okay? They were doing things that Lou Lamarillo thought were related to the coaching and the way the coach was holding the players accountable. I do think that's a problem in Toronto, one way or the other. You just watch the way Austin Matthews has been late in games and how his line's been out on the ice for goals against late in games. To me, that you can point back at the coach in situations like that. So um, it will be interesting really to see kind of how these teams go. Again, like um, I think we all like to fire coaches every week on every show in, in, in America and Canada, but we don't want guys I, I don't. Jobs. I don't think it's as it's it's going to happen quite as frequently um, as we all think. So let, let's let's move on from there because there's another team that's interesting to me, Frank, that that I want to ask you about, um, and it's the Vegas Golden Knights, and it's another team that is completely ravaged by injuries. I mean, they are missing Theodore and Eichel and Aiden Hill and and Carlson. you look at Carlson. I mean, they're, they're missing a lot of you know, marquee players and, and you can go look on the daily faceoff.com, you know, look at Vegas's line chart right now. There's going to be some names you don't recognize, but when you scroll to the bottom, there's a, you know, an absolute myriad of guys that are injured. Now we've seen the Vegas golden Knights impatient since they came into the NHL. They're an impatient franchise, the way they bring in, move on, uh, let players, coaches go, whatever. They like to make moves. They are trending in the wrong direction. They have some guys that have sustained some injuries that have a little bit of time. They've, they, they, they're at the max on contracts, Frank. They're 50 out of 50 contracts right now. NHL teams only get 50 NHL contracts. Is there something that they may look to do? Or is this another situation of just we're, we're just too banged up? Um, and, and let me just read you this quote from Bruce Cassidy last night, a guy that I played for for years and a guy that I know is going into that general manager's office saying, what the fuck is this? I can't play with this group. And he said, we basically played a beer league game. We thought it was preseason, I guess, uh, careless and disrespectful to the game. We have a veteran decor 
And they were not very good tonight as a group. I mean, that is such a Bruce Cassidy string of quotes if I've ever heard them. But um, what's Kelly McCrinnon thinking out there in Vegas right now? Kind of kind of flying under the radar because they're in a playoff spot, but trending uh, in the wrong direction. Trending in the wrong direction for a long time, honestly. Um, injuries, you know, sort of obviously factor into that, but 11-0-1 start to the season, that got them into November. Since then, they're 16-14-5, so barely above 500. The fact that they've continued to hold down the number two spot in the Pacific is a testament to not just how well they played to start, but also really how the NHL's point system works. You get off to an unbelievably hot start, and then you can kind of milk points the rest of the way. To answer your question about the deadline, I think it's wait and see. That's not a sort of uh, Pollyannish answer from me. What that is is how do we know what the situation is with Jack Eichel when it comes to March 8th? We had a lower body surgery. I, I don't know how they accomplished all of that in one day on the operating table. But was that both knees, hips? Like what, what happened there in that Sports lower body surgery? Like, yeah, that was unreal. I've never even seen that before. He had surgery on his lower body. What? And he's week to week. Okay. So is it like month to month? Like how many weeks are we talking here? Is it six weeks? Is it 12 weeks? And then what happens with the cap? So, Eichel's money, is it on the table or not? If it is, if he's out, do you, are you filling at the center position, which you know they could probably certainly use? Are you listening to Bruce Cassidy and his quotes yesterday saying, okay, they they need more help on defense? Obviously, Shea Theodore being out, that's a huge piece. He's been out since November twenty sixth. I mean. They have they need help in so many different areas that it's impossible to sit here today and pinpoint for you and say, you know what, the Golden Knights, they're going to go after that. All I know is in their practice facility and, you know, being there the day that the team was named, Bill Foley, their owner, the night never retreats. The night never backs down. The, that's ingrained in their sort of core philosophy. So will they after finally accomplishing their goal in year six, will they kind of sit back at this deadline and say, oh no, maybe not for us? I doubt it, especially with Hill coming back at some point and how well he played to start this year, 933 save percentage, a big reason why they got off to the start that they did, but they're they're kind of in trouble right now and treading water. But are is Vegas ever really in trouble just with, you know, everyone wanting to go play there and and free agents wanting to sign there and just everything they've done that organization, they've done it the right way. Like it's not like Vegas is ever going to have to rebuild or anything. Right. I know they're facing injuries right now. Maybe the trade deadline might be, you know, up to question. Well, I totally but, disagree with that. I, really? I think that's, I mean, every team is going to have to rebuild at some point. You, you can't just be the New York Yankees. This, this isn't, there's a salary cap in hockey, Johnny. It's cyclical. So, yeah, you're, you're going, I mean, to look at some point, Alex Petrangelo, he's 34. Yeah, like that. At some point toward the end of that deal, it's it's fine now. But yeah. 2025, 26, and 26, 27, like 
He's yeah. going to be hurting at some point. You're Mar- already Marsha Zoe's not getting any younger. I mean, Carlson's not getting any younger. Well, Theodore's not getting. I mean, l- these let are, me these let me stop you there. Twenty-year-olds. Who among us is getting younger? It's not possible physically. Well, but I'm just saying these aren't 21 yeah. year old players. These are players in their late 20s and some into their 30s. I think Marshazo is got to be into his 30s already. He's 33. Yeah, exactly. So we're not talking about a bunch of spring chickens, Johnny. So to think that they're never going to have to rebuild. I mean, again, what are we doing? NHL fantasy mode on your video? I, know, but I, I might be too young in real life. I might be too young to remember a time, but I literally am sitting here and I can't think of any window where the Boston Bruins had like a rebuild i well, maybe well, the bruins were terrible like up until 2000 and what like eight or nine i mean they were like really bad for a maybe while I was too young to remember but i you i were you were yeah. playing with your your pokemon cards and your tamagotchi <laughs> probably rolling around in oh your my god he probably doesn't even know what that is i know what pokemon is since but I since just, i can I don't know what tamagotchi is no not a clue uh i was i was just a nintendo 64 guy but yeah, um, right. That's a lie. You were not, you were not old enough. Mario Kart and Nintendo 64. Yes, I was. And then Xbox came out when I was like seven, but uh, you know what I'm saying though? Like a team like Boston, the bigger concern for, for Vegas is that because they've been as aggressive as they've been, they don't have a ton by way of prospects, nothing. And they've been traded their, they've been trading their picks for the most part. The, The fact that they have, all of their picks for these next three years is actually kind of impressive. They've gotten back to, to level ground, but they're going to need to start making those picks instead of trading them away. Cause Colby, you're right. At some point, the cycle catches up with you and you're going to be in trouble for a number of years, unless you continue to replenish. Frank, I don't want to get too off topic, but we do have a question in the chat. And funny enough, it actually is from the guy in the room next to me, my roommate, Rowan Savinant who is a huge Ottawa Senators fan. He act, It's actually a really good question. He said, what isn't working in Ottawa? Currently sitting in last in the Eastern Conference, who in the core is most expendable? Well, that's exactly what general manager Steve Steos and assistant general managers Dave Poole and, and Ryan Bonus are figuring out at this exact moment. And, you know, it, it's funny because... Jacob Chikorin is on my trade targets board and and I'm first off, I'm not really convinced that they want to move him, but they're facing a question in terms of who is part of that core where they've signed a bunch of guys to long-term deals thinking that they all would be. And I'm going to include Thomas Shabbat in that category. My guess, if everything was equal and everyone made the same dollars and had the same contract scenario, the guy that they'd probably prefer to move the most is Shabbat. Keep Chikrin. Obviously, Sanderson. Like I think Sanderson is going to be in the Nars Trophy conversation in two years. Keep Sanderson, keep Chikrin, and then move Shabbat. But the problem is he's got all those years left, and he's at $8 million bucks. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a tough spot. There's way more value for them, all three of those guys being left-shot guys, to move Chikrin because he doesn't make a lot right now. He's under 5 million bucks and you have one more year. So if you're acquiring Chikrin at this deadline, you get two playoff runs out of him at under 5 million bucks. Yes. You need to ask the question this summer, are we re-signing this guy or not? And that's sort of the, the process that the Sens are going through right now. Okay. If we're going to keep Chikrin, 
Let's go to his agent. How much is he going to, how much are you looking for? What's a fair number? Is he, does he vault up into the, you know, to the Shabbat stratosphere in terms of AAV next year, probably a little bit South of that. But again, this is, that's just the defense part of who's part of this core moving forward that they're really trying to sort through. And I don't think they have answers quite yet. I think they're hoping to find more in the next seven weeks. I want to follow up quick on that before Colby cuts me off. Cause I know he wants to so badly, but when you look at teams on paper, is Ottawa just the biggest, what the hell happened here? Because I think you look at the roster and the talent they have, you know, both offensively and defensively, maybe not in goal, but I, I just can't believe how poor they've been this season with the amount of talent they have on that roster. I agree. And the only other team that I kind of look and say, what the hell happened here is the flyers, but in a good way, like I still, it blows mm. my mind that that core of players has achieved the success that they've, they've had this year. And frankly, the consistency that they've had, it's a true testament to how hard they've worked. And, and it shows you the big thing coming up for the flyers is now as everyone else ramps up to that level, the games get harder to win. How does your talent come through? But when it comes to the Sens, yeah, like I, I'm right there. Like Tim Stutzla, Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris. Like I, I look at that group and I'm like, how is it possible that they are not even close to the playoff hunt? Like the fact that they are 18 yes, points out. Well, yeah, no, the fact that it, technically by points in the standings, not by points percentage, they're below the Columbus Blue Jackets who to me, the, the Blue Jackets have been the biggest disaster organization in the NHL. How? How's that possible? And and you know what? I'll, I'll take it a step further. The numbers have gone like this since Jacques Martin took over. No offense. This is not ageism. I said it at the exact day that he was hired. 71 years old, by far the oldest coach in the NHL. Do everyone a favor on that organization and bring in someone who's your next permanent coach, please. This it's, it's no, it's not good to go through this. I know that they're saying, Oh, well he can instill some fundamentals. Uh, really? Like, <laughs> are we going to do power skating out there too on Tuesday nights? Like what? Like I just like, I'm sorry. You need to hire a coach and that yeah. needs to happen soon ish. And then oh. you can get a better evaluation of your core. Well, Frank, I, I'm sorry we just wasted so much of your time talking about the team in last place. Um, but if if we're going to go down that road, I think it's fair to tee up, you know, my favorite tweet of the year. And it's from my buddy, Johnny Lazarus, Johnny <laughs> Drama, Johnny Sunshine and Rainbows. And, you know, this was one of his preseason wow. predictions right here. And it says, for those of you who aren't watching YouTube, and don't forget to like and subscribe to the Daily Faceoff YouTube. But if you are listening uh, on your podcast platform, it says, I'll bet my life that the Ottawa Senators make the playoffs. And that was on September 25th of 2003. Now, Johnny has a lot of bad takes pretty consistently, but this is definitely up there <laughs> as one of his worst. I quickly responded to that. I hope you're an organ donor. So, Frank, I, I know you probably got to go, but I do want to ask you about... By, by the way, team. I would have bet that the Sens made the playoffs this year. They, were, you, if they were one of my playoff teams. I definitely wouldn't have bet my life because I value it too much. But uh, <laughs> apparently that's not how it works over there in, uh, in Brooklyn. Well, he he says a lot of stupid shit. So uh, the to last be fair, I didn't say I'm when they made the playoffs. About, I didn't the say last when team that I am curious about, Frank, that's the LA Kings. 
Okay. Mm. This is a team that's two, four and four in their last 10. Um, they lost last night in a shootout to San Jose. We've seen coaches lose their jobs over losing to teams like San Jose and Chicago this year. And I'm not saying I think Todd McClellan is going to lose his job today by any means. Cause he's, he's not right. So, <laughs> uh, but look, this is a team that had a, a phenomenal first, let's say quarter to half of the season, but again, trending in the wrong direction. Okay. You watch them play their neutral zone has been nowhere near as effective. Um, you know, Rob Blake doesn't seem like a guy who's going to sit on his hands. He, he, he moved off of Jonathan. I mean, he, he's not been afraid to do things to, you know, juice his roster, whether they've worked or they haven't, you know, whether it's the PLD trade, um, you know, for Velarde and, and, um, you know, moving on from Jersey. I mean, there's, there's been a number of moves. So, what do you see in the future for the LA Kings who are now occupying a wild card spot for the first time since the opening week of the season? Yeah. By the way, the Oilers can catch the golden Knights on the other side of the all-star break. They've got four games in hand, but they can catch them uh, right as soon as they play each other on Feb six, they've already passed the Kings and the Kings are another team 13, three and three to start. They're nine, 10, and six since then. So yeah. south of 500. And the funny thing is, everyone wants to say, well, I, you know, their goaltending just hasn't been good, as good. And certainly Cam Talbot, you know, jumping out to a 930 save percentage. I'm not sure that anyone really saw that coming. But I have to say that even since then, in that stretch that I just mentioned, he's still 897. So South of league average, but not by that much. And it can't all be on him, is my point. It's not really a team like New Jersey or some of the other ones that we're talking about this morning that has been crushed by injuries. Victor Arvidsson has been the guy that's been out. He's coming back. In fact, um, the Kings had had some preliminary discussions with Corey Perry and then had decided that with Arvidsson coming back, um, that they probably couldn't afford him. And that's sort of where it fell apart or certainly by role or spot. I don't like the tough part about the Kings is uh, outside of shoring up their backup goalie position, because I don't think Phoenix Copley or David Riddick are it. I don't like, I don't look at this Kings team and say, you know what? That there's the hole. Like tell me where in their forward group, they're stacked three deep at center. They've got great wingers. Their defensemen are solid. In fact, they were one of the few teams that had too many right shot defensemen. Brant Clark, you know, go back and forth with him and Jordan Spence and the young guys that they have. And they're like, I, I'm looking at it going, I, I don't even know where you'd add if you wanted well, to. Maybe it's player for player because 10, 9, and what did you say? 9, 10, 10 nine and, and 6. 9, 10, and I mean, that's bad. That's not just mm -hmm. like a five game slump. That's, that's two months of bad hockey. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. But, player for player what are you like doing this on nhl 23 like no one <laughs> they, no one does that anymore there are no hockey trades anymore that never happens well frank the last that team that i want to ask no um but there is one more team i want to ask about and this also comes from the chat d ely 
He wants to know about the Carolina uh, Hurricanes goaltending situation and if there's a team in the NHL that needs a goalie more than Carolina. I know we talked about the Devils, but this Carolina team has been in that win-now window for probably north of five years. And if there's anyone that needs a goalie right now to win a Stanley Cup, it's probably them. What do you think about the Carolina Hurricanes goaltending situation? Well, look, this is what you get when you go into the year with Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta again. I know they had Pyotr Kochetkov waiting. He had signed that four-year deal for $8 bucks, and you're thinking, okay, he'll be the guy if things falter. And then he absolutely stumbled out of the gate to start this year with an 875 save percentage. The thing is, he's actually really turned around his game since U.S. Thanksgiving, and he's got a 908 and a pretty decent record. So he bounced back, but at the same time, when you're looking at this Hurricanes team and um, and their injury situation, like Kochetkov finally is playing really well. He's been out for the last 12 days with a concussion after that hit that he took. And geez, like you're like, they cannot get a break. Um, I think this Canes team, they're sort of been playing somewhat average. Um, all year and that's not really like them like they've kind of sailed through regular seasons um these last few years and i actually um you know when you look at their team i had seth jarvis on frankly speaking he's my guest this week and he was saying like this has been his hardest year of of hockey at any point in his career because he's never been on a team at any point that has lost the way that this canes team has lost and so in an odd way, I think that could actually be beneficial for them in the long run. The goalie situation is obviously something to continue to watch. I, I don't think that they can continue on with Antti Ranta and Yaniv Peretz. Um, but I think they could... The one thing that's really standing out to me when watching the Canes, and I think it's been their Achilles heel when it comes to the playoffs, they don't have the super-duper star. They don't have that guy that just picks you up and carries you. And I mean, even look at their team this year, they have one guy and it's Sebastian Ajo. Cause it's always been Sebastian Ajo. Only one guy North of a point per game. And he's at 51. They've got a great balanced depth scoring approach, but there's no one that comes in on that team outside of their decor and knocks your socks off. And I think that's one thing that hurts. Well, Svechnikov's hurt now, but he was on fire before injury. He had like eight goals in his last 10 games. He was on a really hot stretch as of late. And and I will say, and Colby, like call us a take, whatever you want. The Carolina Hurricanes are going to win the Met. And, and I'm very confident in saying that. Um, they've been, I, I think they've been trending in the most positive direction of any team in the Met. And All right. So what are you going to, are you going to bet your life on it or what? No, no, I'm not going to bet. I'll bet my second life on it maybe, but. Um, okay. and, well, and, and I will take need some kind of wager. Like here, I'm writing down Rangers yeah, guy down. says hurricanes yeah. win the Met. I don't think it's, it's such like a hot take. They've, they've won the Met like the last four years in a row. I don't he's, think it's look, like so Frank, crazy. He's say. in this phase right now where he's feeling sorry for himself and he's sulking about the Rangers. It's like this whole puppy dog group. I was actually, he, he, he's going through like his seven stages of grief right now. So before well, we Kobe. let you go, Frank, our friend on Twitter wants to know a uh, pizza sports guy. He wants to know, what product do you use in your hair? Because, buddy, your hair does always look so good. It, it really does. Like, it's early in the morning. Johnny has God knows what's happening with his hair. I got a, a hat shower. on. But here comes Frank, sir. Oh, that's right. No hot water. But, buddy, your hair, it's just, it's, it's like, I, it looks great. It's the only, it's the only thing I have. I mean, well, that's all you got. You got to take care of it. Uh, 
Yeah, I use American Crew pomade. That's it. There, there we go. go. The and now we're going to have to get him as a sponsor of the show. So, Frank, <laughs> we took 45 minutes of your time today. Sorry about that. I know you were just yeah, supposed to come 45 minutes. For a few I minutes went back. Exactly. I know Johnny makes you feel dumber every time you talk to him. We appreciate your time today, Frank. We'll have you on again next Tuesday. I know next Tuesday it'll just be you and Johnny. So, you'll have to fill my role of bullying Johnny for 30 to 40 minutes. Um, nice. I like it. I'll get compliments for a whole hour. Johnny, stay quiet. All right, go sit in the corner. Um, Before you interrupted, Colby, I was going to answer your question yesterday that you tweeted at me. Which fan base am I? All right, but let let Frank let Frank go. He the guy has a life. He has kids. He has jobs. He has shows. He has writing. Can can we let him go? All right, Frank, you're free. See you guys. (laughs) Thank you, Frank. Thanks, Frank. All right, Johnny, ask me your stupid question, and then let's wrap the episode. Well, you tweeted at me yesterday. Which fan base am I going to torch this week? And I just complimented the Hurricanes by saying they're going to win the Met. But that's my least favorite fan base in the NHL. I, I can't why? stand her. I cannot stand Hurricanes fans. They annoy the shit out of me. And well, why? Give me some from, reasons. It's from one playoff series against the Rangers two years ago. They think it's a rivalry now. People say the Hurricanes and Rangers is a deep rooted rivalry. They had one playoff round. Like we don't hate the Hurricanes at all. And I and I think the Hurricanes All right, so ready? Here we go. Ready? Yeah. I'm gonna give you 10 seconds. Okay. I want you to talk as much shit as you can to the <laughs> to the Carolina Hurricanes fan base in 10 seconds. And then I want you to wrap the show. Can you do that? I don't really know what to say about them personally. They just they just annoy me. They're always in my so Twitter. Basically, complaining. You, you can't even complaining. have a backbone. I, I can't even they, have a backbone when you're talking shit. They just complain that no one cares about them. Like, and and they're a good team that gets talked about, and people just whine that Listen, they're. Listen, the I love no I love about. Rod Brindamore, and so I I'm not going to throw any shade or disrespect towards Carolina fans, the Hurricanes organization. Love Trip Tracy. A uh, lot of good players down there. Love Brady Shea. Um, you know, TDA back there. I know he's not playing, but he's a Philly boy. So I, I'm not, I, I don't agree with you. I like the passion coming out of Carolina. I wish that passion would have would have driven the the Atlanta, uh, what were they called? The Atlanta Thrashers yeah. to having more success. So Uh, That's all the time we're going to have today, Johnny. Don't forget to like and subscribe the DFO YouTube page. We were glad we were able to get to some of your questions today. I know we took some Twitter questions. Uh, Thanks to Frank. As always, make sure you check out his trade targets, which are all over the DFO website, all over his social media. Uh, And that's going to be it for today. Johnny, you got a last word, pal? Yeah, D.E. Lee goes, as a former Ranger fan and now a Canes fan, I can tell you we do not like Ranger fans either, so... Happy to uh, to spread the hate and the love in a, in a good way, I guess, whatever you want to say it. But Jeremiah Maxwell also, who's always active in our chat, says, it's our boy, a Ranger fan talking about toxic fans, LOL. And I will say Ranger fans are probably the honest Devils fans are very toxic too. the Devils go down last night and they're chanting fire Lindy in like the first period. Like it's insane. Um, a lot of toxic fan bases out there and I won't shy away from saying that the Rangers are one of them. But yes, I don't like Canes fans. You cannot like me back. It's fine. I'm on the show at that. Unless you got one more thing you want to say. (laughs) Have a good rest of your day. Thanks for listening.